Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Happy Wednesday and welcome into another episode of the Brett Allen Show. It's your host, Brett Allen, the host of the Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. On the show today, we are talking to Jess Ponce III, Be Seen, Be Heard, Breakthrough. He is the founder of jp3globalmedia.com and he is also the author of a brand new book, Awesome, Seven Keys to Unlocking the Speaker Within. I think one of the challenges that we face as content creators is selling our message, maximizing social media, and really putting ourselves out out there being afraid being fearful and we cover all of this and more on the show he has worked with some amazing folks like lucasfilm hgtv ted disney channel the walt disney company linkedin i mean the list goes on and on and we talk about so many different things and i think you're going to enjoy this conversation now if you are a content creator then listen up put on your ears because this is an episode that you will not want to miss and we hope you enjoy today's episode with jess ponce you're listening to The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. Have you subscribed to this show yet? I've tried bribes. I've tried gifts. You should. It's absolutely free. I even sent him some pet oxen. Now back to the show with your host, Brett Allen. Idly hey. Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished. A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Jess Hawks, welcome into the Brett Allen Show. It's great to have you here today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you, Brett. Yes. Well, I love talking about things like this. And those things are building a brand, storytelling, being a public speaker, all of the things that involve all of us every day on some level, whether you're in the creative arts like podcasting or you work for the Disney company, which <laughs> you've worked with in the past. Like the gamut is big. <laughs> so you recently released a fantastic book on January 7th, Awesome, Seven Keys to Unlocking the Speaker Within. Let's start with that because clearly all of us have this innate desire to talk and we like to talk about ourselves. So not that that's what we're doing here, but this <laughs> book is something that I think is important. In the book, you talk about a lot of different things, how to express yourself with clarity, confidence, charisma delivering effective pitches. And I think I was saying peaches. I don't know why pitches. I think that one of the things that we all have a shortage of is time. I mean, we have it a lot as individuals, but when we're trying to pitch something or talk to somebody about something, I think it's best to be as clear and concise as possible. Right. And I think in this book, you sort of guide us down a path to be a really great speaker. Thank you. And you're absolutely right. We have a shortage of time and energy in our lives every day. And we're trying to convey a thought. We're trying to pitch. We're trying to sell. And what that urgency gives us is a sense of excitement. And that excitement is fuel that can actually help you deliver a message. What's unfortunate is that we interpret that as fear. 
Okay. And what fear indicates if you are scared of something is that whatever you are about to say is important because we don't care about, we don't get scared of things that aren't important to us. And so what the book outlines are seven assets that all of us have internally already that can make us a powerful speaker and how by using these assets, we can get out of our own way. For example, allow, not allow fear to hold us back or to keep us captive to really expressing ourselves. So here's what happens when fear manifests itself in a certain way. We get caught up in our words and our message, like because we've got this amount of time and we've all heard about this elevator pitch that we've just got to get it out. Well, what you're not doing is you're not taking the moment or the context into consideration. And sometimes by slowing down, by hearing the other person, by being present, you can actually deliver a message more effectively and allow your excitement to be present with that person, not to override that person. I find it interesting what you say, Jess, about the elevator pitch, because I hear that a lot. And I was talking to somebody last night, Barry Katz. I don't know if you're familiar, mm -hmm. but he is one of the forefathers in the entertainment industry, discovered a lot of comedians, a lot of celebrities, taking them from being in a studio apartment to household names, making millions. And he said something interesting. And this is where I feel like this ties in is that it's all about the sale, right? It's about the sale and your currency is whatever. It could be comedy. It could be speaking. I notice also, like I have a six and a half year old. If anybody is perfect at delivering a quick and efficient message, it's a child, especially when it's something that they want, right? But if it's, and there's no fear in asking for like a $75 video game, but if it's something maybe less important, there is the fear. So in the book, you kind of work us through this. My question to you, Jess, would be, Practically speaking, like what inhibits us? What are some of those fear factors that we might face? And just kind of lightly touch on them because we want people to buy the book, but really <laughs> some things that are effective that we can put into place, say, immediately to get the pitch out, get the sale out, the elevator pitch and get the attention that we need in a good way. I think first and foremost is that this idea of an elevator pitch can be reframed. Okay. So it is a 90-second opportunity to make a connection. It's a 90-second opportunity to be able to pitch yourself in a way that captivates whoever you are riding up that elevator with. And, it, and the reason I say that is because quite often we think of it as a monologue. We think like, okay, I've got to say this, I've got to say this, I've got to say this, I've got to say that, and I have nailed down what my sales pitch is. Well, you may be pitching avocados to somebody who doesn't like avocados. And the whole idea is to find out, well, do you have something else in your grocery basket that that individual might actually be interested in? And that's where you have to make the connection. You have to engage with that person. And there are three cores in which we speak from. We speak from our, our brain or our head. We speak from our heart or emotion. And we speak from our gut or our intuition. Now, what is great about your son and great about kids is they know which parent to go to and when to go to that parent <laughs> when they want something. A hundred percent. Whoever's more agreeable. <laughs> exactly. And so what they do is they have this instinctive or this knowing 
that as adults, we kind of lose sight of. And when you're riding up this hypothetical elevator with somebody, this person, he or she has heard pitches again and again and again. And they're like, oh, my God, this is one more person, one more comedian, one more speaker, one more actor, one more executive who wants my attention, who wants something from me. But when you turn that around and you can give them something and you captivate them in a way that they want to have another conversation, that's what you've done. Because in that short amount of time, you're not going to be able to close a deal. I mean, there is that off chance that you will be able to do it, but you want to be able to gain interest so that you can have a further conversation. So remember not to be just in your head, allow your emotions and your intuition to be present with that other individual. So it's more about like booking the room or the elevator, so to speak, versus like, trying to close a deal in 90 seconds. Cause I, you're right. I think that's like probably pretty impossible to do uh, unless that person's like really literally ready to pull the trigger at the moment, which in most cases they're not. Exactly. You know, it's, it's like, you know, your, your son, right. I'm not going to go to daddy because daddy's busy right now, or he's not in the best mood. Like he knows the moment in which to seize that opportunity. Likewise, in that instance, when you are pitching yourself, you have to gauge, is this the right moment to at least gain their interest so that I can go back and close a deal? Or is this that moment where they need to hear something? But the problem is, is our need to articulate what we think is our pitch and what we find so important overrides our sensibilities quite often to not be present with the other person. That other person may not need that right there. That other person may be on, you know, her way to lunch. That other person, you know, may have had just a bad day. And so you have to be present and realize that it's not about you. It's about the other individual at that moment. It really is. Now you have worked with hundreds of companies to clarify and deliver their messages. Disney, I mean, there's a lot of them that you have somehow been involved with at some point down the road. So you've worked with a lot of people. When Disney, let's say, makes a merger with Marvel or one of these companies is trying to pitch something and to to really get a message across, I want to focus on the negative for a second, but in a good way. What are some things or some common mistakes that companies or individuals can make when it comes to presenting their message and and not necessarily being the most effective with their time? Well, I think it comes down to the basic communication cycle. So in every communication, every exchange, there is a sender and a receiver. The sender has a message that goes to the receiver and the receiver gives feedback to the sender. Businesses quite often, as I had just mentioned in this elevator pitch, have a one-way dialogue. So they have messaging or talking points that they want to put out to the public. What I think is really important, especially in the world of fandom, when you talk about things like Disney and maybe Marvel or those kinds of brands, is you have to be able to listen to the audience. What are they concerned about? What uh, issues do they have? Are, are they worried that maybe the brand may take a different direction? And I think what Disney has done well is to really listen to the fan base because for any business, 
that your customers are, are, are the most important person you're going to speak to every day. Second is your employees. You know, third is the executives. I mean, you know, they, everybody thinks that they're the most important thing. Well, they're responsible to the customers and to the employees more than anybody else. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's it's good. You know, people joke about these fans making big deals about certain things, a movie or whatever. But Disney does listen because they want to put out a good quality product. Like when I think of Disney or LinkedIn or HGTV, other companies that you've been a part of, like there's not really anything negative that comes to mind. <laughs> it's like they deliver a clear and concise message, right? And that's really what it comes down to. And also providing that fan service or customer service to really listen and get what they want. You know, there there are negative things that come up. Sure, but of course. It, it, it's it's like for any brand, are you going to feed the trolls? Are you going to engage the haters? And there are plenty of people out there in social media, and I'm sure you've experienced this yourself, where they just want to bring you down. And right. you have a choice. Are you going to have their conversation or are you going to have your conversation? And what I've had the pleasure to do is to work with these businesses that you've mentioned in helping them and the people who represent those brands portray themselves and communicate the best of what they have to offer. And when I say that, I really want to create a distinction for everybody out there that when I say the best, I genuinely mean what is the best thing about your product, not necessarily what you think the audience wants to hear or how you need to be Pollyanna or fake, because that isn't going to sell either. But you do have to have something that's going to grab the audience's attention. Interesting. Yeah, because it seems like social media specifically, like you said, maybe even like Instagram or one of these other social platforms where you have a lot of people on there, but then there's talented people on there who are selling something. And that's why it has so much traction, right? Like there's so many sources out there that people can use. And this comes to mind, just an example, this whole OnlyFans thing that really picked up over the pandemic where a platform that didn't exist before now exists and some nobody really out of obscurity can jump on there and make a million dollars in a day, regardless of what you're selling. It's whether someone listening may or may not agree with what happens on there. They're still selling something at the end of the day and they have a very clear message on how to get people to pay or even on Instagram or TikTok, right? Like these platforms have just exploded over the last six months to a year. Yeah. And, you know, one of the biggest, you know, right now is Clubhouse, which yeah. they, they've recently monetized or figured out how to do that. And we're constantly on some level selling or promoting ourselves. And what I, where I feel like social media as a platform has changed and adapted is that because we are such savvy media consumers that people can see BS a mile away. Sure. And so you've got to be able to stand for something. Now, whether or not you like what that person stands for, there has to be consistency. And that is the, the true essence of any brand is to stand for something and to have consistency. It's how the audience is able to relate to you and how you remain accountable to them that helps build a brand. And what OnlyFans uh, has done is given access to that 
celebrity, that star, that influencer on a deeper level. So they're going to give you added value content. And so what they're doing as a business structure is actually kind of smart. They're using their platform, their social media, which is free, and providing those followers, those consumers, an opportunity to get something more, but that more that they have to get, they have to pay for. Yeah. It allows them to really monetize in a fair way. And like, Instagram, maybe where they're trying to do like branded content or, you know what I mean? Like they're at least they control, I guess I'm not super familiar with it, but I've understand that they can set price points for whatever it is that they're trying to sell. And people pay the money clearly because some of these people are making ludicrous amounts of money. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing is about branded content, that that's something sort of different. So like if on Instagram, for example, and you have to uh, dis, you know, have a disclaimer that you are representing this oh, brand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and put that into your post is that you are able to say, Hey, I'm using this and I like this. And that goes out to everybody, not just your fans. Um, it, think of it as sort of like product placement in a movie. Okay. Got it. You know, like Coca-Cola uh, for um, American Idol. It just sits there. Um, but, you know, obviously Coca-Cola is a sponsor. For somebody who is on social media or a podcaster, whatever the case might be, and they are trying to, like the long-term goal is to get more listeners or to get more people involved with what they're doing. What are some things that we can do to build that brand and make it stronger to garner the attention and to get our message across. Specifically, I guess I'm asking about podcasting because although it is popular, it's still unrefined in a lot of ways. And so really like the main way, unless you're like a big celebrity and have a following already, it's a lot of hard work to build an audience and to get listeners, a lot of it's word of mouth. So what are some things that we can do to help get the message out better and really just maximize our content uh, to the fullest instead of just from a very basic level, releasing an episode like all, you know, to social media, to whatever it is you're trying to get to. Well, as I mentioned before, two of the key elements is to stand for something, to have a point of view. Uh, Second thing is to be consistent. I think the third thing is, is to promote. And that's one of the things that I think is always challenging for any of us, because what are we promoting with? Uh, So content is always going to be the number one thing. So what can you share on any platform that is free, that is readily available, that is interesting? And you use that sort of as your entryway or sort of almost like your advertisement uh, it could be a key soundbite that somebody said, an idea that's provocative. In Instagram, it's really interesting because a lot of times you can provide stories right. uh, and or um, IGTV where they can be a minute and a half, three minutes. And you've got a great piece of information that you're sharing with people. But if they want more, they want to listen to the 50-minute podcast, they have to go to your site. So I think when you are doing something, whatever it is, and in this instance, a podcast, use whatever social channels you have. Also use, um, as you probably do with your guests, use their social channels and then network with other people. Because if somebody likes you, that the whole idea of social media is actually endorsement-based. It's that I follow this person and if they like that, 
and they're saying that that's a good thing, then I want to follow that. It started out with our families and friends, but also now, you know, there are all these people that get a bunch of following and we like what they like. And they've got a new secret. They've got, you know, a new clothing line, or they found a new hack, a a new product to cook with. And suddenly we're like, we're going to buy that because our favorite person likes that. And so if you can, you know, link up with other influencers who happen to like something you say or your point of view, then they can start advertising for you. Is it important as a content creator to be on all the social platforms and master one or two or just master one or two and not so much try and be on every single platform like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok? Well, there are two philosophies here. Uh, one is, you know, master the ones that that speak to your audience. So look at the platforms, you know, like, for example, TikTok, which is definitely, you know, a bunch of digital natives. Uh, Instagram, which still, you know, uh, veers younger than Facebook, Facebook, which, you know, now has become our grandparents, um, (laughs) (laughs) according to, (laughs) according to a lot of people. Yeah. I've Um, heard that a lot. (laughs) So, you know, pay attention to where your base is. Um, So, you know, focus on that, I think is, is one philosophy. The other philosophy is experimentation. So one of the people that I follow, he had something really interesting. He said, I posted a video on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. On Instagram, it got 300 hits. On Facebook, it got 400. On Twitter, it got 1,000. On TikTok, it was a million people watching. It. Wow. And so I think it, it, it depends on the type of content as well. Um, so I, I, what I advocate is experiment and don't close yourself off, but don't look at it like a chore. I, I recently just started finding <laughs> the fun in stuff. Uh, like on Instagram. And I'm just like having a big experiment. And as long as you're trying and you're having fun and you're delivering your message, because again, content is always going to be what's most important. What are you giving to people that they value? I love it. So some key things here are obviously having a clear and concise message, selling yourself and having a product that brings value to other people. It's not necessarily so much about self-promotion, although that is a small part, but really garnering the interest of whoever might be following you or who you're hoping to get the attention of with your elevator pitch. And and it's hard because self-promotion, we have so many negative examples out there from politics to reality TV to all of these people who are being canceled as part of canceled culture. But don't look at self as a four-letter word in the traditional sense. Nobody's going to know what you have to offer if you're quiet, because nobody's going to become knocking on your door because somewhere along the line, they had this feeling or this idea that you had something to give them. You have to put yourself out there. It does not work that way. Yeah. And when you put yourself out there, there's good and there's bad. And the reality is not everybody's going to like you. Yeah. And I think that's why you hear of all these problems that people have is because you know they they want the value and to be loved and they go to social media for that. That's a whole nother conversation, but really it can be a positive tool as long as you keep it positive and have fun. Like if it's stressing you out, if you lose a follower or someone doesn't like your post, typically when I'm promoting something, once it goes up, I won't check my phone for several hours or a day even because I don't want to be 
you know, that phantom, <laughs> you know, where you're looking and going, oh, it didn't get. Now, I think even with Instagram, you can hide the views and the likes and the hearts and all of that. <laughs> I think they've gotten smart with that. I mean, the age of social media is insane, really, like how powerful it is in our country and across universally. It's insane, like how popular these platforms are and how often they're used and whether there is or isn't an algorithm. The fact that people are still on there and doing it and getting their message out is amazing. And I also like what you said about not being afraid, just putting yourself out there. You know, I've always thought about it. If if you put something out there and nobody is interested, well, it doesn't matter because nobody was really interested before anyway. So you're, there's no love lost there. <laughs> Well, you know, part of seducing audiences is is knowing what they want, but knowing that what you have to offer them is a value. And I think the first part is where most people stop. Well, what is it that they want? I I work with, you know, private clients and they're always like, well, I'm going to go on social media, but, you know, I I need to really figure this, this and that out. And I'm like, well, what is it that you want to do? And they're like, oh, I want to just share this message. I'm like, okay, then do that. Like, don't overthink it because, you know, at the end of the day, it's letting people know who you are and that thing that you have that nobody else has. And it could be a special way to bake a chocolate chip cookie, you know, but it's that, not the fact that you're going to try to go get people who bake cakes who have no idea about chocolate chip cookies, I mean, you know, I, I know that this seems sort of like an obscure example, but no, it's a good example. It's very good. You know, it's, it's, it's find the tribe that needs what you have. Yeah, I love it. Well, one other thing I want to talk about here, and we'll mention the book at the end again, and we'll link it in our show notes so people can purchase it. Hopefully you have been involved with a lot of entertainment companies, but really the Disney company is a person or a company that comes to you a lot. And You work a lot with kids in the Disney Channel. I want to explore that a little bit and what that role looks like for Disney when you are called upon to work with kids. Are you helping them with screen presence, TV presence, getting messages out? What is your role with the Disney company specifically, if you can share? Overall, what I do with any client who has to go into the media is to help them with their confidence. Okay. And I see confidence as two things. One is knowing your subject matter. And second is knowing its value to your audience. So when you are a novice, you're a young person who isn't used to people asking them questions, you need a little help in making sure that one, don't fake it, right? Don't try to like have the perfect answer. Two, that you have probably a great answer within you. And third, give them permission to be themselves. And so on many levels, what I love about working with some of these young Disney stars and other young actors is that I just am able to encourage them, to listen to them, to be themselves, and to put the pressure off of this big weight behind them of what they're representing. Uh, So on some level, it's like almost like like a school counselor. who sits there and says, okay, this is okay. This is the right path. This is what you're doing. The other part is sort of like a, and I don't want to say a drama teacher because I I really want to create the distinction here that I'm not teaching them to act. However, there is an aspect of that where you practice with them. 
media okay. training, essentially. Yeah. yeah, media training, which, and, and, and I don't think a lot of people understand what that is because a lot of people feel like that's putting words into people's mouths. And that's not what I do. What I do is I pull words out of them. So quite often, I often hear, and this is so funny, oh, what I want to say is blah, blah, blah. Great. Well, say that. Well, I didn't know that I could say that. Well, who told you you couldn't? Well, I thought it had to be like this. I'm like, no, be yourself and say it in your own words. I really want to encourage our listeners to check your work out. Who wants to sell a message? Who has something to say? What is one soundbite or something, the best advice that you could give to someone who is stuck and afraid to start? Don't be scared of your voice, whatever that looks like. For example, my physical voice, I have a lisp, but I don't let that stop me. Too often, we feel like we don't have something to say because somewhere along the line, someone told us it wasn't valuable. Know your voice, be aware of it, and realize that it has value. And the book is awesome. And that is an acronym, Seven Keys to Unlocking the Speaker Within. Thank you for joining me. Be sure to check out his book. Uh, That will be available in our show notes and all the other amazing resources that he has. And I think there is a lot of practical information uh, for us to garner as listeners and consumers of content. Jess, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Oh, Brett, it was a pleasure. Thank you. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.